Welcome to Spiritual Coach. I'm the host with the most repping the Holy Ghost, Brandon Tribble. I appreciate you stopping by. Now let's get to work on them spiritual muscles. Hello and welcome back to Spiritual Coach. Today we're talking about seven Christian principles. Uh, I actually wrote a book about this, and uh, if you're interested, you can check that out on Amazon. You just have to type in Seven Christian Principles by Brandon Tribble. But we're going to go ahead and talk about those seven principles today in our podcast. And the first one we're going to start out with is love. Now, love is one of the main tenets, the main points of the entire Bible. And as we see, it is the most important. So that is the one we're going to start out with. And we're going to go to Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That must mean it's pretty important. If this, everything that's mentioned in the Bible can pretty much be summed up in love, all the law, the five books of the Old Testament, and the prophets, which that's all they had. Everything can be summed up in this point, love. Well, of course, we got to love God. We know that. But then he says we got to love each other too. And when you love everybody, you fulfill the commandments. You have fulfilled the law. Man, so much simpler when you put it that way. It's so much simpler to just cut it, make it simple like that and just say, hey, I just need to love everybody. Love God and love everybody. There you go. Simple as that. But in case you need more scriptural backing for this, we're going to keep going. 1 Corinthians 16, 13-14 Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Do everything in love. In case you're wondering, can I get away with it sometimes and not be loving to certain folks and be loving just to some others? No, he says do everything in love. Not just the ones you like, but do every single action in love. Do every single thing that you can, every word that you speak in love. Man, that's, that, I love how God makes simple, makes things so simple for us. Here's another one. 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Let us love one another, for God is love himself. Not just God is loving, but God is the embodiment of love. God is love personified. God is a living, moving, loving being. He is love itself. So we need to be as well. Romans 13, 8. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. 
For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. He puts it so simple, it's, it's hard to refute. At the end of the day, if you claim to be a Christian, if you claim that Jesus is your Lord, you must walk in this and accept the fact that you have to love everyone with no bias, with no prejudice, with no racist, nothing evil in your heart, but just loving. And man, if everybody was to stop and do this right now, our whole world would change. But thankfully, one day, God's going to fix everything, and it's going to be this way. So you can look forward to it. Colossians 3.14 And the most important piece of clothing you must wear is love. Love is what binds us all together in perfect harmony. Amen. If we could just all live in love, this whole world would be in perfect harmony. But, sadly, this world will not go this route. But we as Christians can. We as Christians, amongst ourselves at least, and also to those who are outside, we should walk in love. We should be this acting demonstration of what God has called us to do, and walk in love. Now there's also a whole chapter dedicated to love in 1 Corinthians 13. And I'll actually go ahead and read a portion of that. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 13. And now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So with that final statement, knowing that love is the most important thing, it is the greatest above anything else that you can aspire to do as a Christian. Out of all of these principles, love is the number one. Walk in love, folks. My brethren, love is important. Love is the most important. It is the greatest commandment. It's the greatest thing. Walk in love. All right, now we'll go ahead and move on to the second principle, obedience. John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. If we really love God, if we say we love him, it's easy to say that, actually. It's easy to speak words, but if you really want to prove your love to God, he says, keep my commandments. If you're really loving me, then obey me. Simple as that. John 15, 10, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. So that means we need to obey what Jesus said. Now what, what's one of the things Jesus said? We'll go back to our first principle in that. We love God with it, basically everything we got in us. And then we love each other. And there you go. You fulfilled the whole law. But we must obey that to prove that we actually love Him. 1 John 5, 2-3. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. When you actually sit down and think about it, His commandments aren't burdensome. When we think about commands like don't lie, don't steal, don't kill, those aren't that burdensome. Just don't do those. Don't do them. And just prove that you love him by keeping them. Here's another one. James 1, 22 through 25. 
Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. So don't deceive yourself by saying, yeah, I go to church and I listen to the word and all that. No, you're not doing yourself any good or anybody else around you if you're not doing what you're hearing. We gotta be doers of the word, not hearers only. We gotta make sure that we're obedient to God to the best of our ability. Not just when it feels good, not just when it's easy, but all the time, continually. All right, let's go to uh, the third one. The third principle, faith. Hebrews 11:6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen. Without faith, it's impossible to please to please him because we first gotta know that he's there, right? We gotta first believe that he's there. And then he's gonna reward us when we diligently seek him. You may not be able to see him with your eyes. And sometimes you may not even be able to hear him. But he is there. And he will reward you if you keep looking for him. If you keep seeking him diligently, not just half-heartedly, but with everything that you got in you, he will eventually reward you. But first, you gotta have faith. And if you don't have that, you can't please him. So faith must be really important. Romans 1, 1 through 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We've been justified by that faith. And we have access, by faith, into His grace. Man, it's so good to have that grace, being forgiven for all of that sin that we've committed in our lives. You gotta have that faith, folks. Matthew 17, 20. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing. Man, that sounds pretty good. Now, in case you don't know, but uh, mustard seed's very small. Uh, I suggest you go look those up if you've never seen one, or hold one in your hand. It's just a very small thing, and God's just saying, give me that much, and I can move mountains with it. And nothing will be impossible for you. Man, that's what I'm looking forward to. Having just a little faith for God to do a big thing in my life. But what would it look like if you had even bigger faith than a mustard seed? Whew. I shudder to even think of all the things that he could possibly do through me. I can't even imagine what he might do. If I could just walk down the street and people would be healed just like Jesus. 
Bible said that we would go on to do even greater things than he did. Maybe if we have at least a mustard seed of faith, he could do that. But maybe if we had more, what else could he do? I think the possibilities are endless. Let's move on to our next one, our fourth one. Our fourth principle works. James 2, 14 through 26. What does it profit, my brethren? If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to him, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God? You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Man, that was a mouthful, but it was certainly worth reading. We must have faith combined with our works to be most effective for our Lord. Now this is not talking about any kind of faith, uh, any kind of works-based salvation. No, this is once we are already saved. We must have faith. Okay, we're already saved. We believe that God is good. We believe in, in the working of His miracles and His power. We believe in His goodness. We believe in Jesus and salvation. Now what are we going to do with that? Now we got to put some action to it. We got to put some work. There's so many people out there who need to know about this. And there's so many people that need to feel God's goodness and His love. And who's going to uh, show it to them if we don't? We got to got to prove our faith by our works. So simple. Colossians 3:23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Whatever you do in this life, whatever if you have a job and you hate it and it's mundane and it's boring or what don't think of it as if you're doing it for a paycheck. Don't think of it as you're working for your boss or you're slaving away. No, think of it as if you're actually working for Jesus himself. And then no matter what you do, you can do it with a smile on your face. And then people will notice that. And they'll say, man, there's something different about him. And they'll ask you. They'll inquire. And they'll get to know you and your relationship with Jesus. And they may become saved just because of this 
work ethic that you have that you're not doing it for a paycheck you're not doing it for any other reason that you're working for the Lord and then you can be blessed in everything that you do alright here's another one let's talk about the fifth one the fifth principle praise we're going to go to Psalm 22 verse 3 and thou art holy thou that dwellest amid the praises of Israel what this basically means is, is God is holy and he dwells among the praises of his people. So when we are praising God, he's right there in the midst. He's right there amongst us. He wants to be near that. If praises is like a calling card to God, hey God, come here. Hey, I need you. Can you imagine? No matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, if you start praising God, he comes. Whew. That's kind of interesting. Hey, God, I need you. Let me praise you first. Kind of makes him a little bit more interested in what's going on instead of always having your hand out, always saying, hey, I need this, I need that. You start praising him first. No matter what you're dealing with, I praise you, God. You're so good. I love you, God. You're so awesome. And you break out in song. Man, and then he's right there. He's in close proximity. Psalm 54. Verse 14, make an offering of praise to God. Keep the agreements which you have made with the Most High. I love this. Make an offering of praise. Sometimes we got to offer Him things. Sometimes we offer our very lives. Sometimes we offer Him uh, tithing. Sometimes we offer Him time and service and working or whatever, but making an offering of praise. Mm, it's kind of interesting. Here's another one. Hebrews 13, 15. Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that gives thanks to his name. So first we read the offering of praise. Now we're hearing a sacrifice of praise. I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't feel like singing. I don't feel like praising. My situation has bummed me out. My situation has made me mad, angry, frustrated. The last thing in the world I feel like doing is praising. But that's the first thing in the world that we need to be doing. Because it might be the thing that breaks you out of your funk. Man, we need to be a praising people. Man, God, I'm having a bad day. I'm having a frustrating day. I'm so mad. I'm so angry. But I love you. You're so good. And I thank you for everything you've been doing for me. I thank you for all your blessings. You're so awesome. And then the next thing you know, man, I ain't even bothered anymore. I'm not even mad anymore. I'm not even frustrated. Whew. What was I getting so worked up about? Thank you, Jesus. And it just falls right off of you. The weight of the world just leaves you. And all that's left is peace and joy and comfort and that love and that grace mercy and the forgiveness and the salvation thank you lord all right let's move to prayer our sixth principle first thessalonians 5 16 through 18 be joyful always pray continually give thanks in all circumstances for this is god's will for you in christ jesus i love how it says pray continually don't stop don't stop praying. Keep the constant line of communication open. 
if you have to imagine you having your cell phone and you're holding it in your hand and you're talking and then all of a sudden something comes up and you're like, oh, hold on, let me let me put you on hold real quick. And you set your phone down and you go tend to whatever else you're doing and then you pick the phone back up and say, and say now where were we? <laughs> That's kind of like what he means. Pray continually. Keep going. Keep everything that is going on in your life. You're mad about something, frustrated about something, pray about it. You need help with this, you need help with that, pray about it. You, you want somebody uh, to get close to Jesus, but you don't know what to say, pray about it. You, uh, you don't know where to go and what to do, pray about it. You don't know to accept this job or move to this state or whatever, pray about it. Everything that you can think of, pray and don't stop. James 5.16 Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You know what that means? When you're praying as hard as you can with everything in you, with all your heart, with all your spirit, you're praying hard. You care. You put care and love invested. That kind of prayer of a righteous man works really good. Pray for one another. Pray for everybody that you can think of. Everybody in your family, all your friends, all your co-workers, your state, your country, everybody, your enemies, people that don't like you. Pray for them. Who knows? God might be able to get a hold of them through that prayer and boom, they change. And they stop treating you the way they always have. They stop being mean to you, and they start being nice out of nowhere. And the next thing you know, your nemesis has become a friend. God can do it. Ephesians 6.18 Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Praying for your brothers and your sisters in Christ. Praying always for them. Praying always for all things. I love how he says that in another verse. He said it earlier, pray continually. Here he says, praying always. And then here, listen to this one. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray without ceasing. So we have three different verses talking about three different things, three different uh, synonyms that mean the same thing. He's just phrasing it differently. Pray always. Pray continually. Pray without ceasing. What is he trying to tell us? Don't stop. Keep praying. Sometimes you got to pray more than one time about one thing, and sometimes it may take years. Don't stop praying. Keep praying. Pray hard. Pray effectively. Pray fervently. Be righteous, and it'll work. All right, here we go. Here's our final one, number seven. Our seventh principle, hope. Psalm 78, verse 7. That they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. That we don't forget that God has been good. His works have been good. His works have come through. And I can hope in that in my current circumstance, in my current situation, that no matter how bad it is, God will see me through. He has in the past, and He will again. He has done it for my brother. He has done it for my friend. He has done it for those folks in the Bible, and He can do it for me. 
So I'm going to hope in my God. And that hope might just be the thing that carries you through. Psalm 119, 147. I rise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help. I hope in your word. Sometimes we aren't reading our word as much as we should. But that word can be our hope. Amen. When you go to the word and you read something that stirs your spirit, it can give you hope. I was frustrated. I was down. I was crying. I was upset. I was having anxiety. I was depressed. But then I got in his word and it gave me some hope. And now I can carry on. Psalm 119, 166. Lord, I hope for your salvation and I do your commandments. As we wait for that salvation, we keep doing his commandments. The hope of that salvation, the fact that I know I'm saved, the fact that when I die, I'm going to be with my Lord. When I die, I'm going to heaven. So what is this present problem and circumstance that I'm, I'm dealing with? What is this present tribulation and sorrow and pain? It's nothing. It's a fleeting moment. It's a vapor. And then it'll be gone. I'm going to keep my hope in God. I'm going to keep my hope in salvation. Psalm 31, 24. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. All you hope in the Lord. Be of good courage. Don't let your current circumstance or situation get you down. Don't get scared or fearful, but be strengthened in your heart by God and through that hope that you keep in the Lord. Our final scripture, Romans 5, 3-5. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Amen. Our tribulations are actually working something in us. It's producing perseverance. We're figuring out how to get over something, how to get through something. And then through those many times that we go through that tribulation and we develop the perseverance of how to get out of it, then that defines who we are. It, de it develops our character. And then from there, we realize in our character, i got hope that I've been through some things and I've gotten out of every single one of them. God has delivered me from every single one of my problems. He is faithful. And I can trust in that. And, I, and my hope will not be disappointed because the love of God has been poured out into my heart by the Holy Spirit who was given to me who is inside of me right now. And I am not alone, but I have God with me at all times. What should I be afraid of? What should I be worried about? What should I be fearful of? I have God with me. I'm going to get through this. God will see me through everything. What a blessing. Hold on to hope, folks. Hold on to all seven of these principles. They will help you. Christian walk to be most effective in our service for the Lord. I hope you got something good from this. I know it sure has helped me in my walk. And I thank you for listening. God bless you and stay tuned to the next one. See you later.